Hey, this is Afia Letham, creator of the Frame Your Day app, helping you walk out every day in victory. I'm proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleash, going beyond borders. Hi, this is Zakia Ringgold from NaturalSoapByZakia.com, proud sponsors of the Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders podcast. There we go. Good day, wherever you are in the world. Uh, I know as I record this, I, I don't usually say the date, the time, and to keep it, I usually keep it generic. But in this case, I'm going to say this is the 31st of December where I am. It's the 31st of December where my guest is. And for other people who I know, they're already on the 1st of January. So just to give you a bit of an insight that we're on a cross-border uh, potential New Year celebration, Hogmanay, which is New Year's Eve for us. Uh, that's where we are. So welcome to an audition at Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders podcast. It's a pod- last podcast of the year, uh, last interview. don't usually do a podcast on the last day of the year, but first time for everything. Uh, and my guest is a connection via Alta V Spelzer from the hashtag Speak Easy podcast. Uh, she had a connection to her when I was interviewing her, and I think I was interviewing somebody else, yes. Anyway, <laughs> we got the connection. So I welcome my guest, Caroline, Caroline, Caroline E. Blake from... Um, from right, North Carolina, is it? South Carolina. Yes, from North Carolina. South Coming Carolina. In North Carolina, uh, and she's here to talk about. She's an author, speaker, and motivation. She's an author, motivational speaker, and she's going to talk about her book. She's talking about her life. She's been through her own, let's say, um, her own down her own rough road, uh, and she's going to talk about that. Uh, and we're just going to let it flow as we always do there's no nothing and if you're watching from wherever you are i wish you a happy new year and hope 2023 if you're listening to this at some point in the new year that is a good one and as i say if you haven't reached any goals from 2022 hopefully you can reach them maybe make that target to reach them in 2023 as i say no pressure just keep it going take it day by day that's the best way so welcome carolyn how you doing welcome to the ramsey unleashed going beyond borders podcast how's your last day of the year so far the last day of the year is going fantastic. My family's on the way home from Charlotte. Um, a little correction: I am from South Carolina, Johns so, Island. South I did Carolina. actually look. At, I, did, I did actually look at your profile. I thought, why did you say North Carolina? North South Carolina. <laughs> I had, you know, never mind. <laughs> yes, but I am from I am from Johns Island, South Carolina, and my last of the day is going great. My husband and I celebrated our forty fourth anniversary on yesterday. 44. And, <laughs> yes. Woo! Yes. Yeah, yeah married married 44 and been together 46. So 46 God years. is awesome. He is awesome. That's 44 years married. It's like that's a good milestone to achieve at this yes. day and age. It's the best thing marriage that tends not to succeed as much these days. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well. Congratulations on that. And as I say, let's um let's I'm going to do a quick as I'm even though I'm we're, we're live, if for those who will be listening on the podcast, the audio version, I am doing this through a video version through YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. I'm going to share it in a few groups at the moment. So do apologize for the slight delay as you're listening to this. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to chuck this round a few places just so we can spread the word as you do. And any day it's to kind of uh just to kind of get 
kind of create a bit of traction when you're doing your own show. But as I say, uh, this is the the wonders of doing a live video. You get to try and multitask and share at the same time. But that's right. Uh, it's trying to do things. So I'm doing it a little bit differently. I usually, just go dive in, but I'm kind of I'm doing a little bit of. Learn if you're learning podcasting, it's something you well. There's in, there's a bit ways and means and tips, hints and tips to do things a bit quicker. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Let's just uh, share that round, and we'll just uh, go from there. So, right, let's dive in before I ram, talk talk myself out of doing a podcast <laughs> for two hours. I'm just talking silly. So, welcome, Carolyn. Uh, let's let's do tell us about your life. Tell us. Um, you are a motivational speaker podcast, and you're also let's talk. It's ours, is they start at the beginning. You tell us about you've all tell us what's going on where you're born, brought up, the usual kind of scenario. Best place to start is at the beginning. So, tell us exactly what's going starting, on. Starting at the beginning again, I am Carolyn, and I am like I said. I've been married for 44 years. We have two adult children and three grandchildren, and they've been a blessing. Um, my story uh, started many years ago. I've always been an introvert. Some see me as not, but I am an introvert. But the thing about God, when you he has a calling on your life, he will equip you to boldly and confidently do the things that he has assigned you to do. So during my life, so many things happened in my life. Um, I grew up, my grandparents raised me and they were faith-based and full of value for us. I was raised along with my two brothers by them. Um, in my life, alcoholism started early. Um, through my mom, we grew up. And the truth be told, if you're going to tell the truth, you have to tell the whole truth. And that was rough being um, being uh, growing up with alcohol because that led to bullying. It led to teasing. It led to me becoming um, rebellious. And all those things that a child go through through those years. You never wanted to be in the company of people for the fear of them throwing things in your face. But because I had a faith-based value, my grandmother always instilled in us to still love. Now, did my rebellion land me in trouble? Oh, yes, it did. Many times, especially during my middle school years. I don't know why your middle school year is the roughest time of your life from sixth to eighth grade that you can go to. But I was a troublesome child during that time. And when mm -hmm. I look back over my life now, um, I can, you know, really, really, if they were alive, I would tell them, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say, where you actually, was it South Carolina? Have you always lived in South Carolina? Have you, have you, where were you, was it a different area you were born, brought up? I was, bo I was born in Columbia, South Carolina, but then at a baby, my grandmother um, took us and we were raised. So I could say that I've always been um, a South a South Carolinian. There we go. And was, tell, just to, oh, slightly before you carry on, what's the different, I mean, I know, you're living in South Carolina, and you've got North Carolina. What I know, remember the old program that used to be on the television with Patrick Swayze, with North and called North and South. 
when they had, I don't know if you, mem- wait, you might remember that. I don't know if you ever watched that. But anyway, um, what? Why is there a north? What's the history, if you can know it, of the north? Why is there such a north and south Carolina? Or not? Why isn't it just called Carolina? Um, the Carolinas. It, it's a long history, and I am not a historian. But if okay. you ever, <laughs> if you ever get to come to South Carolina, you would see um, the Carolinas because it goes all the way back to slavery time. And in the South Carolina, uh, there there were so many historic things, the slave market, the, you know, the transpiring of slaves being sold. And we even got um, our Gullah, you know, Gaethje, um, background here in the Carolinas. You know that rice is the optimal, um, you know, dish here. You can make anything from rice. And, you know, we got the stories of the cotton and all of this. So there's a difference between North Carolina and South Carolina. But like I said, I do not know the history, but uh, we have a great place here in South Carolina uh, that the Avery um, Institution, and we also have a Gullah Geechee um, Museum that's getting ready to open um, downtown that you can find out anything that you want to find out about South Carolina. But we are just known for our tourism here in South Carolina, especially in downtown Charleston. But if you get to visit Edisto Island, all of the islands, because we are surrounded by, I live in a little place called John's Island. And from there is Kiowa Island, Seabrook Island, Wadmala Island, Edisto Island. So we are all these, you know, little islands. Interesting. Mm. Let's go back into, let's, let's go back. So let, you talked about, so that your mother got into alcoholism, basically. Yes. And how did so obviously how did she get into that? How did how did that road start with for your mother? My mother, a story that she basically did not really want to get into us, but I do believe it stemmed from her divorce because um, mm-hmm. my mother was a, a military wife, and uh, you know, with three children. Like I said, the story, that's a comment in my book, I Couldn't Hear Me Cry. Uh, we'll get to that, I, I assume, later. Uh, that there are a lot of things that happened in her life that I believe to push her to that level of finding her wholeness or her brokenness through alcoholism, trying to drown the pain of what dissolved her marriage. Okay, so that's so you're just trying to figure out. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So basically, marriage breakdown, and you're obviously steering the test of time. You know that you're still going strong. And hope, hopefully, in our twenty years' time, <laughs> keep it going. Um, but yes, so let. So how did that affect you? Obviously, how did that affect affecting you? So it affected you. Obviously, you got. I'm guessing the lack of discipline from your mum, and uh, because of that, she was. Oh, struggling with alcoholism obviously caused you to misbehave and get into trouble. I, um, yeah, it did cause me to get into trouble because uh, there were some, not all, but there were some who, if you get into an argument, or uh, they'll throw at the, the fact in your face that, you know, they'll say something like, you're a drunken mama or something like that. And that's a hurtful thing to hear somebody speak about your mother. And it's one thing I always held my mom on, even though she on a high 
pedestal because even though she went through alcoholism, she was always there. Now, I wouldn't say that she drank every day, but I know that she was an alcoholic. And when when I needed her or when we needed her, she was there and she was only a few doorsteps away. So that's one thing I admire about her is that she never left us alone. She was just not capable of taking care of us on her own. And that's where the love for my grandparents came in that even at their age, they didn't feel it robbery to take in not one, but three children and raised us to the best of their ability. And I love them and I thank them for that because beside without God and them, I would not be who I am today. And eventually down the line, I became an alcoholic. Interesting. Ah. Yes. And it ran, excuse me. No. So so what was the key figure that got you into alcoholism? What happened there? Um, you know how, as children, if you see something lying around, you, you're you going to be inquisitive. So mm-hmm. I, I think it started with us when the cans was left, you know, left around. We kind of sneaked the can in just to see how it tasted or something you know, to that effect. But my alcoholism really started when my mom died because okay. I was her only daughter. And um, even though... Um, during my lifetime, I was back because at the time uh, I was a military uh, wife also going mm-hmm. back and forth. But when uh, when she died, my husband was stationed in Italy at the time. And um, no, she no, that's not when my mother passed. We were mm-hmm. here. But the thing about it is that you begin to blame yourself. And that's what I did for myself. Being the only girl, I figured that I should have been on top of things. And I, you know, I started this taking care journey at the age of 12 years old. How old was your mom when she passed away? My mom died at 55 from a brain aneurysm. Wow. Yes. Saying I was caught due to the alcoholism or something else? Uh, it, It was from a brain aneurysm and hypertension. Right, got you. Yeah. Not not old. Yeah, so, you know, you you begin to blame yourself for not being there or not being on top of things. But, um, you know, I was only 19 when my mom died. So, you know, during a very young age, I became a caretaker. That's what I call myself up to this day because I am a retired caretaker, a dialysis technician. And um, I've taken on the role of caregiving all of my life. So I see that not being there for my mother really got got to me, not being able at a young age, I say, to put the guilt on myself by not um, picking up on the issues or being there for her more or being doing things with her more. Uh, to this day, I regret, regret not taking pictures with her more. And that's why I'm an avid picture taker so that, you know, when I am gone from the side of the world that my children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, hopefully, will have something to look back on. I have just maybe two or three pictures that I have of my mother. But um, 
alcoholism, just like I said, it is a disease that causes diseases and it can ruin a family. It can tear a family apart. But if you don't know how to pull yourself out of it, by the grace of God, my family was saved because I made that choice to ask God. I didn't need any treatment and I don't put a damper on anybody getting treatment, but I went to the Lord and he heard my cry and he saw my heart and he knew that I did not want to drink anymore. And I could say right now, my grandson will be 21 in May. So I have been alcohol free for 23 years. So I have a generation of grandchildren who are seeing the sober grandmother. Tell us the, um, tell us the, what's it, the, um, the process of when you started becoming alcohol, well, when you were started your drinking, right? But when right. obviously you, you start drinking, but you don't become a, um, you don't become a sort of, what's the word? It doesn't really just happen over, it doesn't like just happen overnight. You start drinking, but when did you start to think, when did, at what point did you start to, start to get worse? Um, and that's what, yeah, so what well, point? I, I started, I started drinking like when we used to, you know, teenagers, not teenagers, but um, getting into my teen years, uh, 18, 19, you know, going out to parties. And you start sipping a little bit, you know, drinking. Nothing at that point to get hooked on or anything. But when I really started um, to drink, it's just life happened. I mean, at 12 year old, you become come a, ta- a kid, I guess, a caretaker for your grandparents and your mother and stepfather. Uh, you become this financial uh, person that has to take care of finances for two households back and forth. Uh, you never got to be a child per se because you became a caregiver at a very young age. And I think along uh, the years and then I had uh at 19, I had my daughter, and at 19, I was married. So all of these uh, things, I think I never found out who I was, and um, things happen in life. You know, you get married, and just like I say, nobody got a, a, I would say, my marriage was not trouble-free. So with me, with my husband being off and me being home, being a caretaker here and that, never finding out really who I was, I think I turned to alcohol as my comfort zone. So, well, um, so, so you're 24, you're coming for 24 years sober. So that must, it was, in what period of your life was your alcohol ages? When did it stop? Well, yeah, or what? You obviously, you've really been probably, you started when you're roughly 12. Uh, so you started in, into your 20s, your working years. When did it, so I'm guessing it was just a period of like, was it 10 years, 5 years, 20 years? Uh, 
I would say I started at the age when my mom died at 19, really drinking. Okay. Yeah, that because when she died, that was just something that I couldn't accept. And it, it just rocked my world, just like I said, you know, being her only daughter and um, the guilt, I think, from that just drove me over age and my comfort zone became alcohol. Now, a lot of people in my family, you know, they'll say you never drink. But to me, I would like I would say that I was a, a lonely uh, functioning alcoholic or a lonely alcoholic, whatever they label they might have for it this day. Just like I said, I never went to treatment, so I don't know the title that they would have to that to the alcohol that my period of years of drinking. How did it affect your education in growing up when you were starting to get into, starting to drink more? And how did did well when you were when your mother died? You obviously got into more heavily uh, more heavily. How did it affect going forward with getting a job, your like jobs, et cetera, et cetera? My, um, I graduated from high school. Um, I worked and it did not affect. That's like I said, I functioning. That's the word I use when functioning. Uh, didn't drink on the job or any, you know, anything like that to affect my, my work performance. Now, did, would I not say that alcohol might have been present, you know, um, how do you say? Prevalent? Prevalent. Oh, no, present, present. on okay. the breath, maybe, you know? When it's a lot of chewing gum, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and mints and stuff like that. But it, it, it never affected my ability to do my work uh, going to work. Um, uh, even the fact, um, I, I guess we'll go back to that because we are talking about our job. My job performance, I've always, um, I, I was a deli. I, my career started out always as in, in food. So I worked at uh, two grocery chains um, in a total of um, 17 years before I decided uh, to leave to pursue a, med- a medical training. So um, when I did leave my la- the job before I pursued my medical career, I was on that job uh, for 13 years and never missed a day of work because when I told, gave my two weeks notice and told them I was leaving, you know, they were, they were just caught off guard, never thinking that I would, would leave. But um, it gets to a place that um, when you know you've had enough, then it's time to leave. So it was time for me to leave. But I mean, I was given, I believe I was given things that other people wouldn't give, been given because I've never, I never called out I wouldn't say I was late. Maybe I could count it on my hand. I was the person that always, you know, pick up the slack for someone until one day I was approached to become a daily bakery manager because of, you know, my performance. So um, I was given all of my personal leave, my my birthday leave. I was given, you know, all the um, the perks that they gave. So I really, you know, before going on to another job, I sat still for six months, just living off of what I got 
the blessing that I got from the job that I left. So you went obviously went to medical school. Uh, were you still were you still drinking? When did that stop? Oh no, just like I said, um, I'll be twenty three years in May. Right. Okay. So yeah. 23 so years in May. yeah, twenty three years ago. So that was so you. What age were you, did you start medical school? The training. It it wasn't a medical school school. Right. It was like an on the job training. Um, right. I started that in nineteen ninety eight. It was a a six months on the job training program as a dialysis technician, okay. but. But from there, um, I I just blossomed. That's where I found my place, okay. as you can say, in the medical field. So when did the I'm just trying, I'm just dissecting this a little bit in my head. I'm just going uh-huh. through because it's just piecing it. <laughs> like, I'm just trying a little bit of backtracking and forward. So when did the alcoholism actually what process? Obviously, the, the, the you st- well twenty three years ago you stopped drinking. What was the process which led you to stop drinking? My precious children. <laughs> okay. Um, as I saw, alcohol could lead to domestic violence. Okay. It could lead to verbal abuse it could lead to you not being on point paying attention to things that you needed to pay attention for to it could lead to you not being there to support your children it could lead to you destroying your marriage and my biggest thing was that I've always supported my children in everything that they did. Sometime I was fully sober, sometime I wasn't, but I was there. And that's the biggest thing that I can appreciate them saying to me. But when my daughter and being a mom of a daughter said to me one day that she want, you know, she wanted to go to the mall. I couldn't take her to the mall because I was drinking and I wasn't going to drive. And when she made the statement that every time I want to go somewhere, you drinking. It was true. It was like a knife in my heart when she said that because I didn't expect. And when she stormed out the room, it was a wake up call for me because I had a daughter who looked up to me, even through the alcohol, my children, she, even through in the growing up years, she found her world through books, even doing the argument and the fights. She'll find wherever she wanted to be in the world through books, through drawing. For my son, it was different. It took him to become rebellious or angry. And that's two different, you know, sides of my children, you know. And with two people drinking 
in a household, both parents drinking. I believe that. And not to say my, my husband is an awesome man. Family have always been his, that's the way he's, you know, he's the seventh of 14 children. And just like I say, he's a military man and his father raised them hard. So he knows what it is to be a good father. But my fa- my husband was not a disciplined father because of the way, you know, they were raised. So he took it easy on the children, you know. Uh, but financially wise, home wise, it's just like, like, you know, I don't know what went on in his life that caused him to, you know, drink. But I could be held accountable for me and with the things that we went through. Um, but I praise God for my children making it through that situation that at the end that they did get to see mom sober, even though they were all grown, you know, grown, grown, getting out of school and stuff. Well, uh, so when did the, when did the domestic violence start? When did that come into your, uh, when did that start happening? It just, over little things, just like I said, that's alcohol. That's alcohol, to be honest. When two people are obliviated or drinking, one could say one thing and another person don't agree with, with it. It can it could turn into a push. It could turn into pushing back. And then it could turn into just a blown out fight. Now, to the point of being hurt, you know, or having to go to the hospital, or, you know, no, a scratch or something, yeah, maybe, a, you know, and not making any excuses, but, you know, I just never a time that I had to go to the hospital for anything. But just like I said, alcohol, it causes the, the mindset. That's why I come scripture said, be ye sober minded. Because when you are not sober-minded, then the enemy comes in now and begin to see, make you see things as if they are. And you just don't cipher it. You just go after it or go after each other. But it didn't last very long because, <laughs> I mean, I'm strong. And when you begin to stand up for yourself and when I began to find my own voice and became me, then I began standing up for myself. And that's when our marriage started flourishing after the alcohol was gone. One person can make a difference. So due to when you obviously due to that incident with your daughter and you it a little wake up call. So the process of now being sober day one and when you decided right because day one can be that's the that's the uh, you've got to look at all this alcohol that you're probably thinking i want to drink this but no so tell us go through your process of your day one and onwards from being sober my day one um after i got that wake-up call from her but my day one of actually being set free and delivered was me going to work that morning. Mm-hmm. And um, I love to sing. So I was singing along with the hymn or the music that was on. 
and I was just holding the steering wheel and I was just crying. And the song was called Thorns. And it was from a spot in the Bible when there was a thorn in the flesh. And I was singing the song, but I was crying and not paying attention, you know. And sometimes, you know, when you're praising God or singing, you don't know how fast you are going. I had my signal on and everything to turn, and all of a sudden, the blue light came. And I was pulled over. So I said, oh, Lord. You know, I downed the window, and the officer came to the window. He saw the tears, and I don't know whether the tears got him or the music that I was playing got him. But he said, ma'am, it's um, a quarter to 4.45 in the morning. Where are you going? I said, I'm going to work. And he saw the tears, you know. And I said, I, I said, um, he said, you were speeding. But he said, you know, I'm not even going to give you a warning. Just have a good day and get to work safe. A but, a but God. That's a but God experience. But that was my first day of becoming really alcohol free because two weeks after that, my husband got a call from my younger brother because, you know, they'll always keep a little something in the refrigerator when I go and visit them. And he said, okay, now it's two weeks. Uh, Carolyn, don't drink no more. And my husband said, I don't, I don't think so. You know, like that, you know, and, but, and that's where it came. I, I just, when God heals you completely, he takes everything away. He, I could be around anybody who smoked, and I never was a, a, you know, drug smoker. I'm talking about cigarette because mm-hmm. I used to put down some cigarettes when I drank beer. But he took away both completely. I could be around people who drink. I could be around people who smoke cigarettes. And it doesn't give me an urge at all. So when I say that God takes you out of Egypt, never more to return, that's what I mean. And I praise him and give him glory to the highest. Oh, alcoholism is something. It is something. It what I find it also saved you, I'm guessing, with obviously when you're breaking the habit, you're not spending on it. So you'll save the money as well. You'll find that you're not. Yes. Uh, money, cigarette and alcohol. <laughs> yes. Because yes. that's with the habit of obviously you're drinking the habit and then you're also uh you're bur- you're literally yeah, I suppose if you're smoking you're, you're you're smoking, you're burning the cash away in a sense as well. So you're doing yes. both, which would uh, just a couple of people watching on uh from Tammy Francis and we've got Nina Anderson just to see these people who are watching from uh, Facebook. I uh, wish you all a happy new year as well. Uh, thank you for watching and uh, supporting the podcast uh, with uh, Carolyn E. Blake. We we're just there uh, for those who are watching on this thing, depending on where you are, where, where you are, interviewing Carolyn E. Blake from South Carolina, uh, South Carolina, yes. And uh, yeah. we're just talking, briefly, just talking about her a bit of a backstory. It's alcohol has been a, a major part of this, and uh, kind of how what resolves around alcohol. So we're kind of we're doing that. And also just want to say hello to Jay Downey, who's in Glasgow in Scotland. Uh, so thank you for watching. Uh, so alcohol is a major part of this story, but we're d- dissecting it slowly because it is important. And how just talking about Carolyn, how 
what she's been through with her mother dying through alcoholism, etc. So we're kind of just dissecting that slowly. So you can also watch the replay on uh, Facebook, YouTube, uh, but we'll be eventually on audio purpose for podcast as well. So let's carry on. You're kind of two weeks, three weeks sober. Uh, just dissect the rest of that. Go for it. Well, my life became made whole. I, I, I'm a, uh, I'm a new child of the king, <laughs> daughter of the king, and um, my life, just like I said, there's been ups and downs through my lifetime. And some people ask me how I made it through. I mean, I was a, um, I graduated, like I told you, from high school. I got into um, the retail or food chain. Then I got into my medical um, portion of my life, which I I give that to my grandmother because I became a caretaker for her because she had her legs amputated. And um, the I was a new bride and I was supposed to go to uh, Italy. But because of my husband's love, he said, because my grandparents raised us, raised us. He said, I can't take you away from your grandmother. You know, she raised you. So now it's time for you to give back to her. So I stayed behind and I did what I had to do as a granddaughter for my grandmother who gave her life unconditionally and completely to my two brothers and I. Um, so when I went into the medical uh, field, I, you know, I just like I told you, it led me to being there for 23 years. Um, matter of fact, November of this year made a year that I retired. Uh, so uh, life is good. Um, I just stepped back from doing another caregiving because um, that was a call of God. Um, I did it for, I think, four months now, but um, I decided to pursue what I'm doing through impacted, but not in prison. And we'll, I guess you will ask me to get to that. How did impacted, but not in prison come along? Well, well, what, what I was going to ask is when you let's, uh, in what part of when your husband start became started to become sober as well. To, to, when did things, as you said, your, your marriage started to flourish and it started to grow. Uh, tell us about just the, when that period started happening, talk about us, what you, how you work together as a husband and wife and a couple going forward from there. I am the one that's alcohol free. My husband is not. Oh, he's not yet. I thought he was. Right. Okay. So no, no. my husband you know. is not alcohol free. He still drinks, but it's not, it's a love story that we have. Cause I always say that love can cure anything. Mm -hmm. Grace. You have to learn how to give people grace. I could have had very well decided to come out of my marriage. Mm -hmm. But my vows are important to me. Yeah. Faith is important to me. The word of God is important to me. And through prayer and anointing and patience, 
and does it it will happen i'm speaking it into existence but it's some things that we have to take our hand off in order for god to do his work and i'm depending on god to do the work that needs to be done on my husband so on your husband is it kind of not as bad as it was as it got better it's, re- it's much better. It's not as, uh, okay. no. Good. So I've, seen, I've seen through the years, I guess, because when, when, when two are doing the same thing, but I believe it gets easier when one decides not to do it again and the other one is looking on. So I'm, I, I do believe that my praying and him keep looking, he's a great man of value, a great man of faith. Mm-hmm. He knows God's word, but just like I, I said, I am not a psychiatrist, so I don't know what goes on in his heart. But I do know that when God steps in, because God did step in in 2016 and gave him two years of rest, because that's when he had a, a brain aneurysm coming mm-hmm. home one morning from work. And I don't know how God spoke to him through that two years. You know, 2016 to 20, you know, from July to Jan- to to September, he was at to almost to October, he was in a coma. Right. 41 days. I do believe he might have he had an encounter with the Lord. I do believe that. And a year after that, he didn't touch alcohol for a whole year. Things right. happen. I, I I don't know whether coming out of that coma and finding out that his best friend was gone, his sister was gone, a cousin was gone, a young man that he raised almost, not raised, but who was with him all the time of growing up, who took to him as a father. We had to tell him that he was gone. And then his brother dying, another brother dying. So all of these things, I don't know whether that was his push point to pick up that can again. Got it. So that could have been a a key thing. So basically, obviously his life was kind of on the line when the coma and it could have been either or. Yeah. But obviously, yeah, during the process, he lost a lot of people, loved ones, yeah. but maybe it's made it help him take stock of what's going on around him. Thankfully, it's not as bad, which is a good thing. So maybe, and maybe just hopefully through time, it'll eventually become just less and less day by day, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think the, the light of his world is his grandchildren, because just like I said, alcohol does not mean that you drink every day. To me, mm-hmm. I mean, some people are to the point that they drink every day. Um, but when you are needed, you decide what's important. And you're going to decide that drink is not important as these grandchildren or these children, are our home, are our finances. So the best husband, <laughs> I could say, because there's not anything that he wouldn't do. I mean, we live a great life now. And I thank God for that. So 
So let's talk about let's go into the the in prison but not in prison part. That let's go into the you've got a book out, you're you do you do podcasting. Let's talk about the now part, what you're doing now and how you, that sort of journey started for you. That journey started um my journey started in twenty fourteen, I guess that that's leading up to where I am today. Uh yeah. in twenty fourteen, um our son started getting in trouble. Um, and he's, he knows that I'm going to talk about him because I, I let him know before the broadcast. Um, he's in prison now. <laughs> yeah, he is in prison. But, you know, I, 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 when he calls, I told him that I'm going to be on the podcast today and your story might be spoken about. He said, Mom, go for it, you know, because he's waiting for his healing. Also, I mean, okay. he so, um, but um, you don't know what, just like you say, what leads us to do what we do. There's always an impact of something that happened in our life, and there are consequences on both sides, whether it's good or there's bad. So he decided to make some wrong decisions. So time and time again, you know, over and over again. But for all for a mother's love, I'll always be there for her. I'll always be his greatest advocate. I'll always be praying for him. But there comes a time when God says enough is enough and I have to sit you down for a little while so that you know that I am God and not you. I chase you because you, I love you. So he's been sentenced to 10 years. Um, he served six and a half of that 10. And he's growing and he's growing up now. He's 40. But I believe this is his growing up time while he's in there. Well, what did he actually do to get a prison sentence? Excuse me? What did he do? What was his crime that he committed? Um, he got in, into drugs. Okay. Yeah, he got into drugs. And drugs led to him doing uh Little things, not little things, but it got into armed robbery, armed robbery, right. you know, so that that landed him for the third time. And just like I said, it could have been a life sentence, but God saw it different. And I praise God for it. And that's I tell anybody with children that they think that when they are doing these things, that they are in it alone, but it affects the whole family. The whole family is sentenced along with you. They have to go through this with you. And it's not an easy journey if you're not strong, if you don't believe in God, if you don't pray. So that's one thing that led me in to him being sentenced. The other thing that led me on this journey was my heart surgery in 2015. I had a... a what they call a cabbage, where my sternum uh, tore away from my artery. So mm -hmm. that was a healing process that I had to go through. That happened in 2015. And just like I said, right in 2016, my uh, husband had the brain oper uh, operation. And before that, my son happened. My daughter almost lost her life on the table giving birth to her daughter. So it's a lot of things that happen. 
But <laughs> one morning I was just going to work praying to God. And this is where Impacted But Not In Prison came in. Um, my first book, rather, before Impacted But Not In Prison, after I had my heart surgery in 2015, um, that's when my first book, At the Foot of the Cross, came. Okay. And um, I wrote that book. Um, I just woke up one morning, uh, one night, couldn't do nothing for myself because the pain was so bad. Like, you know, I called my husband and he wanted to know what he could do. And I just said, it's just the pain, just the pain. So I took my medicine and I went back to sleep. But then I opened my eyes. And when I opened my eyes, I saw this white cross at the foot of my bed. And that's where at the foot of the cross, the title came from. Because God, I believe God took me through all of this process in order to write that book to let me know that he went to the cross for my sins. He went to the cross for our past, present, and future. And that's where I began to tell the story about the the, the heart surgery, about my son incarceration. Um, my husband's surgery didn't happen there. It just happened. Um, I told about the story of my my daughter's um, faith doing all of this. I mean, how the family just got together and just brought me back to where I needed to be through therapy and that surgery. And it just told about this young girl who thought that Every time you look around, something was happening in her life. Lord, what did I do to, you know, deserve all of this? I always heard my grandmother sing the song, At the Cross, At the Cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rose away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. So between going through all of those things that I went through, I began to see a light through a bunch of darkness. And I began to put my past behind me and began working on that promised future that God has for me because I know that he's concerned about every area of my life. So... Says your whole family has gone through literally a near-death experience in some way or form. <laughs> from on literally, yeah, it's quite phenomenal how you've all come literally with very serious things as well. Yes. So you've written your first book. Mm-hmm. So what you've got your next book? But when did you start? You've also got the second book as well and the podcasting. And when did you? Let's carry on with the journey because you've obviously written your second book. You're mm-hmm. starting podcasting. You're now a motivational speaker. Just dissect, carry on dissecting to where you are. Bring it to the now. Um, I'll bring it uh, up to speed. Um, 2017. Um, I pro- I publish my book this year in February. I couldn't hear me cry. Okay. Um, that book came along, beginning with 2016 with my husband brand aneurysm. Mm-hmm. That's how that book came along. It came along with me going to work one morning and just crying out to the Lord. 
and about all the things that continually kept happening still happen after just like I said, because even after that, my, that's when my son was, you know, saying it's for this last time. And I'm saying this last time because I'm coming in on God for it to be this last time. And I went into the building as I was driving. I just I just started crying out to, Lord, to the Lord, telling him and not complaining, just explaining all these things. And all of a sudden I knew nobody was in the car with me. You may have been impacted, but you are not in prison. I'm holding the wheel, turning into the driveway at work and, you know, looking. No, the radio wasn't on either because I was talking to God. I parked, went into the building and went into my station. And my coworker who was already there saw this look. She said, you know, she's my prayer partner up to this day. Um, she said, OK, what's the revelation? I said, huh? She said, something happened. Does that look on your face? I said, girl. I heard somebody talking and it told me that I may have been impacted, but I'm not in prison. She said, the Holy Spirit comes in all form. You can hear God's voice anywhere. And of course, you just heard an audible from the Lord. So I went about my day, you know, just. Um, and that's when Impacted But Not in Prison came along. I started writing that book. I, I got a, um, I just started writing because I did, you know, consult my um, daughter's friend who is a publisher. And she said, mom, she, um, she grew up with my daughter. So she called me mom. She said, mom, all you do is start writing. I don't care what you do. You just start writing and we'll figure out the outline and everything from that. But why I said I couldn't hear me cry, named it that. It came about because of my past, um, the alcoholism almost being raped, my mom dying, my son imprisonment, you know, all of these things. I couldn't hear me cry because I was sequesting those things from my past that I didn't want to bring up for the fear of hearing from other people what they may think. But then God said that you have to answer the cry. That's the only way you are going to be healed if you answer the cry. Because when you answer the cry, there is somebody out there that's waiting to be healed from the same things that you have been through, but they don't want to say anything about it. So I decided to answer the cry. And oh, what a, what a, deliberating feeling it was because you cannot conquer what you don't confront. And when I began writing and letting those things out of me, I got a month and a half. I just figured it was right as block because nothing would come for that last chapter. Mm -hmm. But God knew what he was doing because he was saving that chapter because he knew that the last thing in my life with me getting that call on my job mm -hmm. and telling me that my brother was hit by multiple cars. And that's why I couldn't finish that last chapter because it was supposed to be for him. Mm -hmm. And that was supposed to be the chapter of accepting grief. I couldn't hear me cry 
I couldn't cry because I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that my big brother. And then the fact that I viewed him because of my boisterous self, thinking that he was hit, but I could see find out that they had to scrape him up off the highway. But I looked and I just asked where was my brother and the coroner or the mortician told me that's him in the bag. So that was the pain. And I think I haven't cried Maybe this is my first real tear. I don't know. I don't remember crying during the service because I was strong, giving him the life that we all knew that he deserved because he himself was an alcoholic. But when I wrote the last chapter of this book, And it was entitled, Our Unheard Cry of Grief. And it was April 22nd, 2021, when I was knocked off my feet and could not accept the news that my oldest brother had died. All I could remember was repeating, no, 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 no. I don't know how many times. My coworkers knew I had a heart condition, so they quickly did all the things they knew how to do for my safety, my health. And I said to each of you, I'm grateful. Even as I'm writing, the tears and the palpations are beginning. My brother was hit by several cars. I heard of the fatality on 526 and it being shut down. But my brother, he was the liveliest soul anyone could meet. Fun-loving, smart, artistic, and will do anything for you. Even though we have laid him to rest, we are all looking for him to pop up at any moment. But we know it's an unheard cry. He has lived his life here on earth. He had an unheard cry. But God answered it his way. And I am now at peace knowing he is physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally healed. But one thing about his cry is that I'm living lesson that through his life, he didn't hold grudges. He laughed daily, told you how he felt, loved the Lord, loved singing, walking daily, and was carefree. But even though I misunderstood what he was going through, isolation, and dependency on alcohol. The enemy impacted and imprisoned his life. He has left a legacy behind. You cannot judge the book by the cover because you cannot tell anyone's story except your own. But while living, I encourage each and every one of you to live the dash between the life and death and listen to the unheard cries that God is trying to bring to surface in our lives. Learn to accept the things that you can change and change the ones you can. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. Pray without ceasing. Love without condition. Give to be a blessing. Live on purpose. Keep the faith. Keep your eyes on God. 
Hold your hand out to help a person when they're down. Feed your spirit. Forgive without malice. Be free to be you. Your character births integrity. Your attitude, attitude will elevate your altitude. I am missing my brother daily. But as Chris told a family member in the spirit, my death was senseless, but it was fair. I'm in a beautiful place. I am going to see you again, dear brother. But the impact you left on us all will be displayed and lived by every chapter of this book. Yes, as Psalm 34, 18 says, God is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those of a contrite spirit. It's the first time you've uh, really talked about your brother for a while, hasn't it? Huh? It's the first time you've really talked about your brother uh, in a while. Yes. And it's still quite raw, isn't it? Yes. Yes. I mean, um, under the Christmas tree, I mean, I have his photo, but it's just something of not seeing a body. I mean, when you have to cremate somebody, if that's where their wishes, you mm-hmm. can accept it. But when something happened to that magnitude and you just didn't get to say goodbye, uh, it hurts. And um, the life he lived, you know, just like I said, he was an alcoholic. He was a walker. Uh, We call him a walking. And for people to... You know, people will label you the way they wanted to label you, but you had to see the glory of the going home service. We we have never, even though he never got sober since we brought him home, he thought he was coming home to visit mom in the hospital, but that was the only way we got him home from Washington in 87, so we could take him to the hospital because mom had died. He never let the bottle down since that day. He became from a four-year college grad, from a master in English, (laughs) from a property manager to a customer service manager to living every waking day to drink, just to not deal with mom's death. And we all, I have a younger brother, he drinks also. This is a a common theme through the whole family. Yeah. Um, My son and my daughter, my grandson, the oldest one, I knew that they would never touch alcohol um, because uh, but yes, this this with my brother, yes, it's fresh for me. Uh, it just brought back all of the memories and everything and uh, you know and feels But he was so special. 
My aunt, <laughs> I think about her daily. She is 90 years old and she finally removed the chair that he sat in every day in her yard because she will wait for her, her to open the door in the morning time and, you know. I suppose that's just, the thing. The thing about it, when you lose somebody, they're, you, you, you never forget them, but time it does get easier through time. Yes, and um, I'm grateful for my support group. Um, I I went to uh, February. That was the release date of the book on his birthday. We went up to the um, to the mountains in Tennessee, uh, a grief relief. Um, And um, it's ongoing. So um, I I do have a support group uh, that I could depend on who loves me. Um, there's a place called The Healing Room. You can go in there and just listen to music. If you want to cry, if, um, cry. You know, if you want her to minister to you, uh, she will minister to you. Um, but the group is called Etor, a time of refreshing. So, um, but Impacted But Not In Prison was formed for me to help women and women caregivers impacted by the adversities of anxiety and guilt, to find wholeness through brokenness, implementing self-love and self-care, knowing that God will set the captives free through hope, faith, and inspiration. And I'm praying that through the conferences and the workshops and the lives that we have, that people don't judge you by the life you live. But they look at the life you live and see how God brought you from glory to glory to glory and how he lift you up when you thought that you could not make it. How family learned to forgive because the only way you could be free is to forgive. And God asks us to do the ultimate thing to Oh, you've hit, you've gone on mute. Hang on a minute. You need to unmute yourself. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that button there. <laughs> yeah. I was saying that to forgive is to free yourself. To love is the ultimate thing that God asks us to do, to love you one another. And through our family, we are small. We are a small family. But we are a loving family. And that's when one thing gets us through. But if I have to tell, I don't know how long we're supposed to be on, but this is my first book, At the Foot of the Cross. And your second one. Second book. I couldn't cry. So let's say, uh, let's dissect a bit more into your podcast and how did you you become a motivational speaker? How did you get into that area? And the meet, how did you cross paths first with Altavi Spelzer as well? But you can talk about it in whatever order you want to. <laughs> um, before you, pause you, you a second. This is a guy, a guy called Gary Loutit, who's in Edinburgh, just wishing us a happy new, happy New Year's Eve or Hogmanay, which we say over here. Uh, so thank you, Gary, and wish you the best as well. So, well, let's start uh, with what you're doing. Um. My speaking started at an early age in my church. Um, we have always been given the opportunity um, to 
to speak, like if there's a missionary program or a children's program. And one day I was uh, just asked if I would speak at, on, at the missionary tea. And that was my first opportunity to start speaking in church. But um, other, it just led on to people, um, I'll get on Facebook and just do, you know, at work. When I'm at work, I'll just jump in on Facebook and say, you know, I'm at work today, but I just want to come in and encourage you, you know. And people started liking. And then people, if I miss a day, then people, uh, are you getting on? I'll get a text messages or I miss your encouragement on today. So that let me know that I was on to something. My light, my life living was worth sharing with somebody else to let them know that they may have been impacted, but they are not in prison. So I can encourage them. So from church to getting impacted, but not in prison. And um, after impacted, but not in prison, I had my first um, conference in 2006, 2018, no, 2017, because I had my last conference and the week after that in 2019, March 2019, that's when COVID came. So God allowed me to have that co- conference called Walking in Your Light. So that's why I got, uh, you know, women, because I serve women. So we come together through conference every year. This year, I got to have it um, in September, which I did the signing of my book. But then the conference turned into a revival with women being freed and crying out to the Lord. And, you know, and that was the most amazing thing that through me, God allowed me to allow women to birth their pain, be delivered from hurt just by a conference, a book signing that turned into a revival. And, then I was just playing around um, with Spreak Spreaker one day just to see, you know, I saw Spreaker about podcasting and I just opened it up and I did a little, you know, testing, testing. And then the Holy Spirit just started working on me that I can do my motivational inspiration through podcasts. Um, I stuck with Speaker for a while until I got to Anchor. And that's when I... Um, now I have 25 episodes on Anchor, um, inspiring women, not on a daily, not on a weekly, but whenever the Holy Spirit gives me something, I'll get on there and I'll motivate. Um, I also brought in this year um, speakers on different area. I brought speakers in on grief. I brought... Um, uh, a speaker in that has a woman's group on um, the whole woman in progress. I brought my niece in speaking about um, her battle with diabetes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it, it's just about helping women to heal, to find wholeness through brokenness. And just like I said, I'm an authentic person. I am not going to get on there and, and tell anybody that I serve that I have yet arrived, that I have it all together. But with whom God is for, 
No man can bid it be asunder because we are all going to go back to anxiety. We are all going to go back to feeling guilty. But what I can do is tell you that when you've been through something, you can help somebody else to cope with it just a little better because God is the ultimate healer. I'm, I can't heal anybody. But if you want to be healed, then you will do the strategic things that you need to do in order to be healed. And that's to pray and trust God and get into a space where you can speak freely, be prayed for. And in the process, know that you are not alone. So tell us how you do me, Altavis, Elzer. So it was a connection how I connected with you. So how did you meet her? <laughs> yes. I I met her through Facebook. Just about everybody that I, I met. I have a lot of friends, but a lot of the sisters that I've become attached to who have given me opportunities or I have brought them on my conferences or whatever. You know, I I I got attached to Alf Alt through her speak easy. Um, and I took her purging um, masterclass one year. And <laughs> by that, that was something, you know, going through the purge. When she took us through that purge, I mean, it, it, it went all through, you know, decluttering and, you know, decluttering the mindset, even decluttering your space. I mean, because all these things that we hold on to. We have to be purged of these things in order for God to refill us up. So if we are holding on to things and being impacted and imprisoned by the things that the enemy wants us to see with our natural eyes, without purging ourselves to see in the spirit realm what God has for us to do, then uh, we are going to be challenged. We are going to be challenged. Well, um. Now, obviously, with the you being an ex-alcoholic, and obviously with there's a lot of alcohol in your fam in your family, what kind of impact did you want to try and make going forward into other people's lives who have going gone through the similar, if not the same, uh, process that you've gone through in your life? How can you maybe make an impact to try and help somebody? be free of alcoholism i know it's uh you're something you're never really free but you're free in a sense that we and the alcoholism um if if i knew then what i know now the things that you can look out for that will trigger you you know, you know because just like i said it's a a lot of things stem back to growing up times you know, so you're going to have to go back. And a lot of people say, don't go back to your past. You have to go back, just like I said, and confront those things in order to conquer so that you can move forward. So if you can find the things that cause cause those things, then you can save somebody else and give them some of the tips. You know, I could give them the tip now because of my mom. Just because I was her only daughter and I blamed myself that I could have been there more for her. Look at it as this is only if you did the best that you can. If you didn't do the best that you could have done, that's a different story. 
Forgive yourself and give yourself some grace if you did the best you can. I can look back and say that now. To I could tell if you know that you want to stop, why are you hanging around with those that are still doing exactly what you want to stop? You got to change your surrounding, even the people that you're around. Get help. Just like I said, I'm not afraid to help. Get um, of you getting of anybody getting help. Go to AA. Get a therapist. Get a, th- uh, a counselor. Talk these things through. But what I want to instill in you is that it is doable and it can be done. You just have to do the work. You have to implement. It says implementation is just like faith. Faith without work is dead. So if you don't implement things to help you through the process, then it's dead. So let's, when, what's your kind of, now we are, as I said, we are on the 31st of December. <laughs> we are doing, going for, into a new year. Uh, and what are your um, goals or what's your sort of thinking for the next kind of 12 months and what you're thinking in your head, what you want to do, your plans? And where do you see yourself, what you might be, where you might be, you know? Um, I had just finished up um, in the Bible version, a plan called Goal Setting with God. And that has really blew my mind. Um, goal Setting with God. You see, sometimes we get on social media and we look at who's doing this, who's doing that, trying to follow what they are doing, doing what they are doing. And God is saying, you strayed away from the assignment that I gave you. And when I came across this goal setting, God's way, it put me into a realm um, of getting into my journal and start writing and declaring what God said over me praying for what I foresee in 2023. My goal is to take my healing journal and I would like to tour three states in 2023. If God says more, that's fine. With this journal and help women to answer the hidden cries in their life, to defeat the things that anxiety bring on and guilt bring on, and to implement self-love and self-care. You know, uh, uh, I gave away for Christmas. um, I also make my own body butter as part of my healing package and essential oils for the women that I serve, if they so desires. I also have the t-shirts for them along with the book. So I make a care package that has the, the, the healing oil, a prayer scripture, um, the body butter, a, co- a signed copy of the book along with a t-shirt and the impact the, but not in prison mug. And that's something tangible to give them to look and say, you know, I couldn't hear me cry, but when I drink out of this mug, I could see that I may have been impacted. When I wear this t-shirt, one says impacted but not in prison. The other says hope, faith, and inspiration. I have something 
a statement within me that I can show that I'm on the road to my healing process. So when I use God's word along with this healing journal, because you cannot do some, nothing beside, without the word of God, his word is never going to change. Something in this book might change. But God's word will never change. But if you use the two together, and I said, the book of John asks you, do you want to be healed? Then you have strategies to move forward. So if I could take this book on a tour, if people begin to book me as a motivational speaker, I'm planning on doing more interviews on podcasts. So those are my 2023 desire, just to get this book out, to move around so that the light of God can be seen through me. How I became an alcoholic, an overcomer, and they also can overcome. I think that the assignment that God gives me will be not fulfilled because I know he's going to give me something else to do, but I'll be on my path to doing what he assigned me to do in 2023. Would you like to give a final, well, obviously just for those who've been listening, watching, whatever, uh, we've covered a lot and there's been a major core regarding around alcoholism and what Carolyn has been through, especially to your family. And I think the, key key raw moment was obviously this a slight recollection regarding her brother and the loss and we just want to thank you that it's something that takes that tragedy to finish something to then impact other people in their lives so we thank you for that small that moment and yes, I think many times in my this podcast we have had tears, we've had laughter, we've had craziness, we've had all sorts. <laughs> and in the day that's to main part of this is to actually hopefully the people that I'm interviewing is to that their story will impact somebody going forward who may or may not listen to this or may be recommended. And that's all it's about. And that's what it's about is impacting my guest stories to be impacting into somebody else's life just so they can yeah achieve and reach heights that they've never thought of reaching and that's the whole point about it basically so have you give us any final excuse me can you give us any final uh thoughts just as we wrap up yes my final thoughts is going to be through prayer father god in the name of jesus we want to thank you we want to thank you for our lives god and we want to thank you for your oh your sovereignty god We want to thank you, God, for letting us see this last day in 2022. We want to thank you, God, for going into the new year because of your grace and your mercy. We want to thank you, God, how you are going to order our steps and direct our path. We want to thank you, God, for the unconditional agape love that you have bestowed upon us and your grace and your mercy. Lord, we love you. We can't do nothing without you, God. Help those that are homeless, God. Help those that are in nursing home. Help those that are marriages are on the verge of breaking up, God. Help those children that are incarcerated, those that are in rebellious. Help the war all over this world, God. 
Lord, help those that just need to know that you are Jesus and there is power in the name of Jesus. And if they get a relationship with you, God, they will see, God, that they'll have a new meaning to life. Now, you didn't say that everything is going to be easy because there are going to be trials and tribulation. But you said for us in the book of James to count it all joy. Carolyn, how am I going to count it all joy? By believing and trusting in the word of God. He said that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So God, I thank you for Mr. Ramsey, for him just seeing a light in me, for giving me the chance to tell women, man, boy, girl, whoever may be listening in, that there is hope in God and God will set the captives free. And as we begin this unity around the world, letting the, them know that they can do greater things because it all begins with the love of God and believing that he went to the cross and died for our past, present, and future. In Jesus' name, I give you glory, and I ask God a special healing right now of good report over Frazier. In the name of Jesus, we count it all done. Bless your holy name. Amen. Amen. So to everyone who, has, who sees this on the replay, or whatever you take from this, please have a fantastic start to your new year, uh, wherever you may be in the world. And we will, yeah, as I say, um, December has come and December has almost gone. Uh, December has certainly gone in different parts of the world for people, and it's now January. Uh, and for me, I've got the best part of about four and a half hours before uh, this wraps up. So if you are listening to this, yes, I will be, wow. I will be, I will be in 2023 by then. And uh, also some of the, basically the majority of the world. But yes, 2023, uh, <laughs> it was like crumbs. It just gets faster as we, each day flies by. But it just seems like it, it gets faster every year. Oh, but yes, go ahead. Oh. You can join me on www.impacted.com. Oh, but not imprisoned.com and my both one, books are also on Amazon or on the website. That's one question I forgot to ask my guest, as I usually do. Where can people connect with you? So let's we will have those links in the show notes afterwards. I've completely forgotten about that. Uh apologies not Jim is wishing everyone a happy new year. Um but anyway, as I say, um we will have your connect um your links in the show notes and the audio version if you're listening to it uh but uh, we will yeah we'll wrap up there but thank you for being you're welcome my guest on the last day of the year and thank you i wish you your sort of celebrity uh last next what time is it now it's half past three because uh, you're set so you got a few hours yet so you can enjoy your celebrate bringing in midnight if not you're maybe tucked up in bed and you're ready when to wake up in the morning and wishing everybody happy you're over breakfast but uh, enjoy and thank you for being on and to everyone who is watching have a great one and happy uh, new year a, everyone happy new year and uh, go out with a bang and we will uh, basically catch up with you on the next podcast of 2023 you take care thank you. okay hang on